Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you on Oilers Now, where guests receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. It's open Tuesday through sa- uh, Sunday from 5 until 10 p.m. It's the greatest steak you've ever had. You can follow Sizzle to 9990 Jasper Avenue and tell Chris and Chef Altaf that Oilers Now sent you. Just before we head off to the River Creek Resort and Casino Hotline uh, to hook up with uh, Mark Spector, a quick text. Uh, Bob, it's uh, Kyle, Texas. No, it's Big Butcher, Big Rig Butcher in Brandon says, Bob, do you think we need to worry about the Jets playing a spoiler role if we end up playing them? Hearing that it's a possibility gives me flashbacks of being swept. Well, Edmonton's a completely different team uh, than they were that year. That year, Edmonton beat the Jets six times in the regular season. But at the end of the day, Connor Hellebuck is still Connor Hellebuck, and he's roughly, you know, like a 918 save guy. He can beat you. He's a really good goalie. The Jets are a streaky team. They always have been. I think Edmonton's better match to play Winnipeg. Like, in my opinion, Edmonton's got a far deeper and better team now. Don't forget, their second pairing in that series against the Jets was Chris Russell and Tyson Berry. Like, the Oilers have a way bigger defense now than they had that year. Let's uh, bring aboard Mark Spector, Sportsnet Spec for Aquarian Renovations, an experience worth sharing. Get started today at AquarianRenovations.com. Hello, Mark. How you doing? Oh, doing pretty well. Bobby, how about you? What time did you get in last night? Late. Late? Yeah. So, all right. Uh, <laughs> I we we try not to provide too much information. Let's just leave it at that. Uh, it was a light one, uh, but you know what? It, it it beats the heck out of the day spec twice. The orders had stretches where they won one game in twenty one, and I recall, you know, Ooh. you know, I can recall like they lost, you know, they they go o four and one on a five game road trip, and we'd get back at three thirty four in the morning. And a couple of guys would go, are you doing the show tomorrow? I'm like, I got to do the show tomorrow. I'm not leaving that to Brendan Ulrich to handle. I'll, I'll go in and do that. It comes with the territory. This is the much better scenario when you're watching a team 13-0-1 in their last 14. But perhaps more importantly, Mark, in the last 39 games dating back to January 10th, the orders have the best points percentage in the National Hockey League. Is that enough of a sample size to say the orders are a pretty good team? You tell me. Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, there's no... You know, they, it's a big enough sample size. This isn't just a hot streak. You know, obviously eight in a row is a hot streak. Um, but I, I, you know, I wrote last night. I, I kind of look at it now. Like two weeks ago, we were saying, mm, might rather not play the Kings because they give you trouble. And I just heard the caller worried about playing Winnipeg. And you know what? I'm I'm looking at the team that they could possibly play. That I'm not counting Dallas. I'm not counting Colorado. I'm looking at the the Seattle, Winnipeg, L.A., and Vegas. I guess I can't play Vegas, but I don't see a team that I wouldn't pick the orders to beat in first round, Bob. Uh, with due respect, those other teams are good. L.A.'s good. Vegas, we all didn't give Vegas a chance this year. They're going to, you know, most likely win the West. Give them credit. Yep. But there isn't a team there that I would pick to defeat the orders in round one. What about you? Uh, I, I think Edmonton's capable of beating anybody, and that includes Boston. And I'll tell you why, because the Oilers are a team that if they 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 built some defensive structure and process in their game, their penalty killing uh, has dramatically improved. I actually haven't done the math on this, but Brad uh, sent me a text and said uh, some information or a tweet, I guess technically it was a tweet. 
Nick Bukestad's played 29 minutes on the PK. They've scored one goal against him when he's been on the ice. That's it. it like, wow. that's, you know, like, there's there's lots of ass. But the bottom line is they're giving up way fewer goals, Spec. So they don't, they have better higher-end finishers. So if there's limited chances for both teams, who does it favor? I think it favors favors Edmonton because they got guys that can put it in the net. This is the thrust of what the Oilers have finally figured out or accepted or, or embraced. You can put whatever word on it you want. Why are we playing wide-open chance-for-chance hockey when we got the best scorers in the league? Why aren't we playing – why aren't we splitting up a modicum of scoring chances? Why aren't we saying to the other team, okay – Let's have let's have very few scoring chances. Our guys are going to convert on more of them than your guys are going to convert on. I don't care which team we're playing. Edmonton has the best offense in the National Hockey League. Why are they opening it up? They don't need to open it up. It's the other guys that need to open it up to get to four. The Oilers don't need to open up to get to three or four. So that's the difference here, Bob. We've seen this now. They're they're trading way less chances. And the orders are converting on enough to either beat you 2-1, to beat you 3-1, beat you 3-2. But if you notice, the other guys aren't getting past two very often lately, are they? No. No. Yeah, that's the huge difference. The other guys aren't getting past one. I know. We just went on a road. Like, the organization <laughs> in the team's history has never had a six-game stretch where they only gave up four goals against. Wow. Ever. Is that right? Yes. And this is a higher-scoring year in the NHL. Oh yeah, for sure. So yeah, it is. So they're so what you're saying is they're legit. Well, and the reason they're legit, they've always been legit offensively. They have been for years. Now they're legit defensively. They're legit in goal. You know, Skinner's not a fluke here. Skinner's got a whole season. I don't. I do not have any reason to think that Stuart Skinner's game will change in the playoffs. You know, it gets tougher. Playoffs are harder. They're supposed to be. But his game won't change. And if the Oilers can play this defensive game and he plays what he did last night, you know, Colorado had their chances last night. I thought Georgiev and Skinner were both fabulous in that game. It could have been a 4-4 game or whatever. But it's the defensive side of the game. This team has finally got defensive chops, Bob, that they haven't ever had in years and years and years and years and years. Uh, just, I just want, I just circled back. I just hopped on natural statrix spec because it was bugging me. I wanted to look the number up. Uh, Buke said's played twenty nine thirty three on the penalty kill since coming to Edmonton. He's gone on the ice for one goal against, and the Oilers have scored a shorthanded goal with him on the ice. So he's even in twenty nine minutes on the PK. The penalty killing, by the way, over the last fourteen game stretch, is second in the league. On this thirteen zero and run run, so there go now. Who 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 has to be your best penalty killer? Your goalie, and yeah. the both goalies are playing well. I'm with you on Skinner. I just it's his composure and maturity. He's not he's he doesn't he's not erratic in personality. So I don't expect him to be erratic in performance. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. No, he's uh, he's right. good. So now we have a chance to talk about the impact of the two additions. And how it's and in fairness, so look at Edmonton and Winnipeg specking that defense that the Oilers had in that series. Okay, so Nurse and Larson were the top pairing, and they played a ton. Russell gave you everything he could. Barry and Russell were together. Uh, Kulikov got healthy scratch by the time Game Four rolled around in that series. Uh, so Cuckoo got in there, and then they had Ethan Bear. Not a big defense. 
Yeah. Well, now you trade for Ekholm, and you've called up DeHarnay. Ironically enough, DeHarnay's first game is when this stretch, where with Edmonton having the best points percentage in the league, last 39 games, that's when DeHarnay came up. Mm-hmm. Okay, So he's 6-6 in the third pairing with Kulak. The second pairing, for the sake of argument, is Nurse and CeCe. Because Ekholm and Bouchard are playing 22 minutes. I, and I know Nurse played 24 minutes last night. But you got Ekholm at 6-4, 6-2 Bouchard, who's got 18 points in 20 games playing with Ekholm. Ekholm's plus 26 in 20 games. You got 6-4 Nurse, 6-3 CeCe, 6-2 Kulak, 6-6 DeHarnay. Mm-hmm. It's a completely different defense than they had a couple of years ago in the playoffs. Do you not agree? Oh, no question. And and the size is just another layer of, you know, all the things that are making you hard to, to play against and hard to score on. You know, up front, they've got actual third and fourth line players who that's what they do. When, when I look at Janmark, Ryan, Bukestad, um Oh, I don't know. Sure, when he plays, you know, those guys are, are, they're not some young kid, and maybe McLeod's this, they're not some young kid who's who says to himself, I'm going to sit in the third and fourth line for now, but I'm going to be a top six player one day. They're veteran guys. I don't know if I named Bukestad. They're veteran guys who accept and excel at their role of being bottom six players. That's what Janmark is. And that's what he's going to be. So he's way better than having some kid down there who's percolating, trying to move up. Then you look at their defense. Obviously, they're better, but they're also way bigger. And big is good. You know, it's the old line in hockey, Bob. Uh, Big and good beats small and good every time. Well, now the Oilers are big and good back there. And uh, that is not a coincidence that the bigger they get, the harder they are to score on. They're not a bunch of big guys who can't play, big guys who can't skate. Darren is kind of under the radar here, Bobby. He's a better player than anybody thought he is. He moves the puck okay. He can skate at about three or four strides when he has to to find a safe play. Uh, and he's tough to play against, man. This guy is going to be a player around here for a few years, I think, don't you? Absolutely. 762 cap hit next year. They'll have to sign him to a three-year cool. extension after because he's going to be worth it. By the way, Great. Mark, he's played 76 minutes on the PK. He's got five goals, four, and nine against. So that's pretty good, right? You want you really want a really good. good stat? Connor McDavid of the top eight uh, scores in the league because Nugent Hopkins is eighth. Uh, Nugent Hopkins has played the most shorthanded minutes of any of the, the top eight scorers in the league. McDavid is second. He's now up to 104 minutes. You want a crazy stat? Really? You want, yes. You want a cra- Well, the Oilers, all three of their guys, between McDavid, Drysaddle, Nugent Hopkins, they've killed penalties. They're on the ice way more in the PK than any of the other top eight scorers in the league. Yep. Okay. Okay. Uh, and Edmonton basically uses eight forwards now. It's not like they're just... But I've got a stat. I just looked. It just and I'd like to thank Brad for pointing this out because I went and looked up. I wanted to look up. Buke said how he's done. This is to me even a crazier stat. Okay, McDavid's played 104 minutes on the PK. The opposition has scored nine goals when he's been on the ice. The Oilers have scored eight goals when McDavid's been on the ice. Short, he's minus one. He's played over a hundred wow. minutes on the PK. That is, uh, that's an unreal. I mean, the Oilers lead the league in power play goals. They're probably going to set a record. They lead the league in shorthanded goals. And oh, by the way, spec they're plus thirteen in goal differential this season when McDavid and Drysaddle aren't on the ice. 
as opposed to minus 29, minus 23, and minus 22 the last three years. McDavid is eight goals for, nine goals against in over 100 minutes on PK. That is an unreal number. Well, and I think it's a different way to kill a penalty, isn't it? Because you, let's face it, we don't see Connor McDavid dropping in front of shots. I don't want him if I'm the Oilers dropping in front of shots, right? I want him sticking his foot in front of a blast. Like, no. But he's scared. You can see when the point man has the puck and McDavid is advancing towards him, you can see guys getting nervous. Nobody wants to turn the puck over to Connor McDavid. So. You know, is he gonna? Is the other team likely to score maybe at a little greater clip when McDavid's killing penalties? I gotta say, probably yeah. But look at the shorthanded, you know, the shorthanded goals you're getting, and I think we all would agree, Bob. You kind of expect to get a power play goal. A power play goal doesn't necessarily turn the momentum, but boy, does a shorthanded goal turn the momentum. When you get one of those, it's worth it two. Turn a game. It's worth two. It sucks. It's like it's worth two. It's yeah. sucks a lot. I mean. It's unreal. And Mark, I, I mentioned this earlier in the show. Speaking of the power play, 50 minutes into the practice in Colorado and the Oilers' top units on the ice and they're uh, Connor and Leon moving spot. Not, like it was pretty impressive. Like, now they'd only, had, they'd only had a power play in each of the two previous games against Anaheim and San Jose. But it was, and, and let's not forget the game against LA, the power play won in the game. Went hey, even a great musician still practices, Bob. Yep. Even a great radio man takes an air check once in a while. Hey, I, I, I got a guy that does that all the time. He just doesn't work for this company. There's nothing wrong with an air check, man. Or a, I'll tell you what, I got editors. I'm not putting myself in their league, but there's no reason. I'm going to say this to you. Sure, their power play is great. That's not an excuse not to practice, right? Keep practicing and keep being great. This power play now with one game left, Bob, and let's say go like, they'd have to go about 0 for 9 in the last game. I think it will register as the best power play in the history of the NHL since they started counting. Is that not correct? Uh, yeah, they're at uh, 32.4. The record's 31.9. Mark, by the way, I gave you that number. Eight goals, four, nine against when McDavid's on the uh, PK. Yeah. Guess what uh, Connor and Leon are in the power play? 86 but- goals, four, seven goals against. Plus. <laughs> wow. It's hard to get a shorthanded goal when you're pulling it out of your net, Bob. Yeah, as a rule of thumb. All right, so, Mark, look, it's 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 been good for the Oilers. Uh, I think it speaks to the I, – I, I think there, sh- there should be a degree of confidence from the fan. I, I'm, I'm not saying cockiness or overconfidence, but I think you and me both think this is fairly real with what we're watching just because of what's occurred over the last 39 games. Well, yeah, and over the last several years, like, we've watched this thing. I'm not going to say that I wasn't fooled when they went in against Chicago and all of us said, ah, they're better in Chicago, and they weren't. And then we said, ah, they're better in Winnipeg, and they weren't. And, you know, this is a team that's gone through the lessons here. We're This isn't the first year they've been good, or we thought they were good. But now I'm seeing, you know, a, a lot of the things we see about this team, we didn't see about those clubs that – that we thought were going to win in the first round that didn't. This is a vastly superior team to those ones. They've learned their lessons. They won two rounds last year and then still, you know, had to learn a few things against Colorado and came out of that series smarter than when they went in it. And here we go again. This team's paid its dues, Bob. I know the fans have. I mean, the fans have for sure paid their dues, but this team didn't just show up good. They've been good for a while, and they paid their dues. They learned some lessons. They got a lot better this year. Ken Holland's done a hell of a job. This team's ready now. This team's ready to go to a Stanley Cup, and I'm not so sure it's not ready to win one. All right. Uh, were you surprised the Calgary Flames missed the playoffs? Oh, 
Oh, yeah. I think everyone was surprised they missed the playoffs. If if we go back to what we thought in October, yeah. for sure. And that's who who would have thought no. when you and I were praising Brad Tree Living for the work he did under fire when he lost Goodrow and Kachuk, who would have thought that Huberdeau would come in and get 60 points less than he had last season? Yeah. He's 60 points, Paul. Yep. That's a precipitous drop uh, in production. And I get it. We can blame Sutter and we can, you know, there's a lot of things to question down at Calgary. But Calgary wasn't any good this year. Huberto wasn't any good this year. And Markstrom wasn't any good this year. And I'm not sure that any guy coaches his way out of that. I know Sutter's got his issues. I agree with a bunch of them. But I'm not sure you coach your way around your three best guys being that poor. Yeah, well, it, I mean, it was a difficult campaign, to say the least. And just to put things in perspective for the Calgary Flames, oh, you're, you're, you're going to laugh at this. Okay? Mm-hmm. You're, I, I, th- this, to me, just clarifies the point. Even for, You mentioned Huberto. Do you, do you yeah. know how many? Uh, where is it? Yeah. Do you know how many even strength goals he had this season? No. How many? Eleven. Yeah. Do you know how many even strength goals Derek Ryan had this year? Yeah, twelve. Eleven. <laughs> Huberto <laughs> got <laughs> Derek got two no. shorthanded. Derek yeah. Ryan, the Oilers' fourth line right wing that plays eleven minutes a game, had the same amount of even strength goals. Derek does not get any power play time. He had two shorties. So, Huberto finished with 15 goals, four in the power play. Ryan finished with 13, and they had the same amount of even strength goals. Yeah, that's, Yikes, that's a tough that's, year. I mean, that's, uh, your, that's your first line guy that had 115 points the year before. Yeah, he was a, he had heart votes the year before. So, listen, they've got to figure out why, because he's just about, is he not about to start an eight-year deal yes. oh, yeah. next season? Yeah. Kadri's about to start. I think it's a seven-year deal. Well, he's, next he's year. in year. No, he's in year one. Oh, he's in year one this year. I'm sorry. Excuse me. But anyway, the point. Yeah, he signs for eight. Um, the point is, whatever, who, whoever, whatever, however that happened, uh, those guys I think are will be better next year. They can't be any worse. But the Flames have to figure out what's going on down there. That this, you know, Sutter misplayed Huberto. He had him all over the rink. He didn't. They, there's clearly an issue between Kadri and Sutter. Um, you know, that Markstrom, listen, someone's got to figure out what happened to Markstrom's game. Ever since he met the Oilers, ever since game two of that series last year, Markstrom's been a new guy and not in a good way. He Bob. gave up six in game one, Spec. Let's not forget that. I'll, I'll yeah, leave sure. you I'll leave you with this. <laughs> Did the Oilers break the Calgary Flames? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, Oilers fans would love to talk about that. Uh, I, I The only thing I would say to you is they certainly put a a major dent that hasn't been repaired yet in Jacob Markstrom. I'm not going to say they broke the Calgary Flames, Bob. I'm not going to say that. Huberdo and Kadri, well, Huberdo wasn't playing in that series. It was Kadri. So there you go. I, I don't think that's fair to say, but the last thing I will say is I hope Calgary gets better because if Edmonton was playing Calgary in a series coming up, it would be a lot of fun, and I think Oilers fans would really enjoy it because it would be what we once called a three-game series, Bob. All right. Awesome stuff. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Speck. Okay, buddy. That is Mark Spector, Sportsnet Spec for Aquarian Renovations and Experience. We're sharing gets started today at AquarianRenovations.com. Brendan, I did it to you again. You're going to have to marry the break. Sorry, my man. Uh, I'm going to give you the orders now. Injury report brought to you all season long by James H. Brown, injury lawyers. When accidents go 
happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Trent Brown, Jim Brown, they are big fans of the Edmonton Oilers, the Edmonton Elks, and the Alberta Golden Bears. Trent Brown's probably the best football player produced out of U of A in the last 40 years. Two-time CFL All-Star winner of a great cup with the then-named Edmonton Eskimos. We are going to open up the River Oh, the, the injury report. The orders are basically healthy. Ryan Murray is the only guy that's out right now. He's on LTIR. He could end up down in Bakersfield for a conditioning stint this weekend. Not a little realm of possibility. We'll head off to a global news weather traffic update with Randy Kilburn. And when we come back at uh, 106, we're going to open up the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline, 780-496-0063. It's simple. Are the Oilers for real? You tell me.